Space. The final frontier. Well, okay, not, not really. All right, uh, take two, take two. Here in the Mitten State, welcome to Code 47, bringing you all things Star Trek, spanning the quadrants, the best thing since the neutral zone. Hello, my friends. Back again. Episode 111. Oh, I hope that's not a curse. At least it's not 666. Yikes. Uh, of, of the Code 47 <laughs> uh, podcast on the Secret Friends Podcasting Network, I am uh, your humble host, Trek Lord of West Michigan, which is not a humble statement. I understand that. What a contradiction. Uh, Charlie Carden. And I am here with my partner, Jen Watson from Chicago, who has not been on Hello. the show in a minute because of uh, uh, moving from the Alpha Quadrant to the Beta Quadrant. So that's a big move. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and with, with no no wormholes to uh, to hasten up the trip. So, no, you've you've had a relocation thing going on yeah. for about a month or so now, I believe. Yeah, and, finally and, land. and yeah. the house feels like season one of DS9. Like, Gotcha. Very fuzzy, know. standard definition. Makeup doesn't look right. Sets aren't yeah. great. The plots aren't <laughs> so great. Yeah, no, I get that. I totally get that. Um, but yeah, no, happy to have you. Happy to have yeah. you back. Happy Glad to have to you back. back. And and we'll uh, we'll strategize about talking about some more Sequest DSV over on the Patreon. Oh my God, yes. did you catch out that segue? Um, but no, we um, <laughs> we're we're, we're uh, we are uh, very grateful to have a number of wonderful folks who do support us over on our Patreon over at patreon.com slash secret friends unite gives us the chance to create wonderful additional content. Uh, much like, as I had mentioned the fact that several months ago, Jen and I talked about uh, the first season of the awesome NBC, NBC, I believe, yeah. uh, science fiction program sequest dsv which i'd never seen before uh in the facts of geek life which is one of those great programs so uh feel free again to visit patreon.com slash secret friends unite to do a seven day free trial check out that show check out several of the other shows uh the rest of the sfu uh compatriots uh do uh our top tier friends are friends with benefits Corey and hd john sedorf the awesome Phoenix Sisters cosplay, uh, and Brendan Myers on the BFFs level. Excuse me, that's the top tier. Sean Stella and Henry Nias, the wonderful Nias family, my dear friend Missy Merchant and Andy Milliken. We are glad to have you all. Uh, again, visit patreon.com slash secretfriendsunite for a free seven-day trial. And if you like what you hear, please feel free to stick around. Well... Uh, unlike other weeks, it seems like we've had a string of weeks in a row where there was some significant news uh, to report. Um, I know that the writer strike definitely ended uh, before, you know, prior Yay. to our pre previous episode. Yay! But the the uh, the actor strike is continuing to grind on the the SAG after strike. Um, there was some hope. This week, uh, going into the weekend, in fact, there was a quote from their chief negotiator uh, on the union side that said they felt very hopeful, cautiously optimistic, I think was the word, uh, that they were going into uh, recording uh, or it, negotiations this weekend. Today is Sunday. Uh, I had read that there was... Uh, events happening, uh, meetings happening yesterday on Saturday, but I've not seen a headline addressing it one way or the other. So I am again, not holding, I. My, yeah, not holding my breath. However, that does mean that as we continue to wind down, grind down, we are uh, getting close to the end of being able to talk about 
um, new material in the first segment of the show, which kind of bumps me out. Um, we do have some plans. We've been talking collectively as a group about where we go next. Sneaky secret plans. Sneaky secret plans. The first episode of which will actually be a suggestion by Jen that I don't know if she remembers she made. Uh, but I it's do on the remember sca- that, and, I, oh. and it's still relevant. So It is very relevant, so we will be talking about that. But again, uh, getting into segment one, we're talking about episode seven and eight of season four of Lower Decks. Um, and then I've actually, we've all seen season or episode nine and then episode 10. It was funny. I got my episode eight screener. I was gone all week for work out of state. Didn't watch it until Thursday, like the rest of humanity, but I haven't, (laughs) I haven't seen the last one, but I'm expecting I'll probably get that screener like Monday, Tuesday. So at least I'll have seen Mm -hmm. the the season, but very excited to talk about episodes nine and then episode 10 just sounds like it's going to be a barn burner. But before we get there. Uh, Jen, if you would be so kind uh, to read the description of episode seven. All right. We have uh, a few badgies more. Three computerized villains return to cause problems for the Cerritos crew. Wow. Um, Crazy situation. I just rewatched these this morning, uh, which I was super excited about um, <laughs> because we get the we get the big return of our uh, kind of big three. I would say satirical villains, but again, everything on the show is, is kind of satirical, with the exception of probably no, even even Moopsy from earlier this season was satirical to a point. I, love so I know, much. I know, and the the, the Moopsy merch is is really starting to pontificate, which I really, I absolutely love. Um, but yeah, we we're getting we're getting back Agamus, we're getting back Peanut Hamper, and we're getting back Badgie. Um, and and what an incredible deconstruction of that character uh because badgie and uh, you know and and the the episode's kind of bookended by the was at the end of season season two where there was the yeah it was where there was the big blowout um mm-hmm. with badgie and then uh and then rutherford was injured and lost his you know basically lost his ai headpiece and then uh jacks apparently died and then he came back but that was never explained but it ended up uh, being great That's for the comedic black mountain and the koala <clears throat> the black mountain and the koala yeah um but yes uh so yeah we do we do find out that uh scavengers snagged uh rutherford's ai it, Badgie popped out of it, but then he took over that scavenger vessel and led to our people being drawn to him and a situation uh, where, you know, Rutherford Mariner get a team with just the two of them, which I feel feel like never happens. Yeah, um, that was cool. And, and that was a pretty that was a pretty cool uh, connection. Uh, in the meanwhile, we get Agamus uh, on parole saying he has information about the or, or wanting to be on parole as um seeming to have information about the core story of the plot line uh, of the season, which is these vehicles uh, being uh, this vehicle approaching all these different non-Starfleet, non-Federation vessels or non-Starfleet, I should say, and <clears throat> seemingly wiping them out. But finding out in the course of, of this episode, or maybe it's, it's re- no, yeah, it is revealed mm-hmm. in this episode that they're really yeah. being abducted. And that does actually play out in episode nine, uh, yeah. which not, not to spoil, <laughs> um, but uh this was fun. I liked the, and then the, th- the third thread uh, was peanut hamper who Agamus thought was conspiring with her to, to do near deals. And then she didn't uh, end up yeah. doing that. And then we end up getting a call back, uh, back to the, it was, is it uh, Tycho seven or whatever the, the planet is with the particle fountain where, which was the, yeah. the Genesis yeah. of the yeah. exocomps. From um, TNG. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, from season six of TNG. So I uh, I enjoyed all that greatly. Fun threads. Uh, I like I love the uh, the the captured shuttlecraft. And the, oh, again, the second mission, uh, the second the B story was Tendi. Uh, and uh, Boimler with Agamus, and they ended up on a beach. And um, it's fun to see Tendi's making a sandcastle. She says, oh, the best that we, this is great. The best that we have at a beach on Orion is a bunch of sharp rocks. And she's making the <laughs> sandcastle and with her with her, with her her shoes off. It was just, it was pretty cute. So it was, yeah. it was a, a very fun episode. The whole bit with, you know, Badgie splitting himself into good G, good G, Badgie, and very G. clever. Good G and, and logic-y. And logic-y, yeah. So, so Badgie ends up splitting himself between good and bad and then a logical component so the badgie is just completely out of control super crazy ai manages to proliferate himself throughout the known universe but in a very vidra like kind of scenario uh gets the self-actualization and then chooses to ascend uh to the next <laughs> level of existence so there's a lot going on in this episode there's so a lot yeah. going on yeah, yeah. so yeah um, give me give me your take what are some of your favorite moments oh man so i i really like the fact that rutherford like really just went for that like i'm gonna use the power of friendship and bring badgie back and i'm gonna give him a hug and be his father and that's what caused him to split off into goodgie Right. And and like the use, he's like, oh, well, that's weird. That didn't work. Let's use the the logic, you know, the 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 Kirk approach against yeah. the uh, renegade AI, and and the and the logicy. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Logicy is copper, like Vulcan blood is right. Uh, so that was a neat. Uh, I don't know if that was intentional, but a lot of things on the Wordex are. Yeah. Um, yeah. True. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but I liked. Um, I liked quite a lot of this. I I was surprised because I don't like Peanut Hamper. It's like yeah. Peanut Hamper is like the one thing on Lower Decks that I'm just like. Mm. It's a little bit too, a little bit too silly. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's, it's a not very even that. It's yeah. that like the character um, in the 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 previous season. I believe I think it was the previous season. Um, that the mathematically perfect redemption is the one episode of Lower Decks that I just do not like. With the Birdman, with her and the Birdman, yeah, yeah, and that must that must have been last season. Yeah. It was because she was not redeemable in that, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, it just kind mm-hmm. of went against so much of what I like Star Trek to be. But yeah. it also says, like, you know, I mean, she did kind of redeem herself in this one through, you know, the therapy, and you, you know, you see the uh, at the at the at the center for the uh, rogue AI where they're like in circles of therapy and they're like <laughs> I love that the two that it was the gym the ter- therapy like circle and the, the it was it was the gym but there was a basketball just sitting there but yeah. you have a lot of basically it's a bunch of hard drive towers like you would see at a computer yeah, nobody has arms so how 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 is that could that that's it's just uh, the patentedly absurd that this show yeah. does so well yeah and I, and I like the absurd I like the koala I like when yeah. it's just like you know, giant floating head it's like Star Trek is always been weird you know right just, right you know it's another celebration of the weird weird yeah, at all um, absolutely uh peanut hamper and agamus reminded me of like robot harley quinn and joker in a way oh, oh, oh. yeah like, yeah you know he just wants her back and she's like no i'm i'm doing my own thing with my family now <laughs> like you know the, the the post redemption harley that is anyway yeah um yeah i um it was a literal Deus Ex Machina with uh, yeah. with Badgie ascending, but 
it was a way to bring them in and show that neither Badgie Agamus nor Peanut Hamper are behind the ship, the main ship of the season. Yeah. Because that was a big theory of mine, actually. Yeah, and, I and agree. And seen floating around the internet, too. And even, you know, at the end of last season, we were talking about, oh, there's going to be a big team-up episode. You're going to put these three AIs together, and they're going to wreck shop. It's going to be something epic. Um, and they gave us this instead, which is, I, I think, without a doubt, what this show really does best, right? They really deliver on... Um, uh, doing the unexpected, you know, and yeah, then doing it in a way, yeah, doing it, doing it in a way that's charming and fun and makes you smile and laugh, and they just, they just, they just nail it. Now, obviously, as we've talked about through you know four seasons of the show, and granted, I was I was doing some research today, and I had forgotten that they had confirmed back in March for a fifth season. So that's definitely something that's going to yeah. go down. The show will go on, um, of how they continue. Um, to, to delight us, uh, which is great. Not that they don't have duffer episodes. You talked about the the bird one, and you know there there are a few really gross out ones. The Haldek one, where you know you saw Boimler's butthole blanked out. It's like they just every <laughs> once in a while, you know, they'll hit on a bit that it's just kind of a bridge too far. Um, but on the whole, that's you know five to ten percent of the overall experience of this show is yeah. is, is, is is having it having it not hit. And I think. The I think the one with the bird one is a good one. The one with the bird one is a good <laughs> early starter for a name of this episode. All right. Um, yeah. So, all right, cool. Uh, final thoughts before we move on and talk about episode eight? Um, just a good prep for what's coming next because now there's no expectations for right? hmm, who could this possibly be? I don't know. Exactly. And I tell you, by the time we get to episode nine, I was, I was, I was titillated. I was great. I, I yeah, yeah the, heavy, te- heavy teasing yeah. for our next episode where we talk about that in the finale. So it's very exciting. Well, cool. All right. Well, I'll move on and talk about episode eight, which is caves. The lower deckers go on a classic cave mission. My, my, my. So this is fun. Talk about uh, taking a trope and turning it into essentially kind of four other episodes. Um, right? So yeah. So our gang gets set up on a very regular Star Trek kind of scenario. Um, but we are set up by the fact that, you know, at the beginning when Boimler sees that Mariner is going to be joining for a mission, say, hey, since we got promoted, we don't get teamed up a lot. And then our other two characters enter and they all go, yay. And so they're all, you know, they're all going to be together, which has been, you yeah. know, the first, time, the first time in a minute. And they beam down to a cave situation where it's already a problem. Green <laughs> slime is encroaching on them and they know that it's going to dissolve them, but they got to figure out a way to get out of it. But as they're tinkering and as time is passing, you know, they, they uh, you know, to pass the time, they say, hey, let's talk about other situations when we've been stuck in a in a bad spot because of caves. And so everybody's got a story except for Tendi, who keeps trying to tell a story about getting stuck in a turbo lift and Mariner just keeps shutting her down, which was which was mean. And it's funny because these this uh, off uh, this off key voice, I do love how it it ends. Uh, but we'll get to that. But, yeah. yeah, we get we get fun vignettes of stories. Uh, the Boimler one to me was kind of forgetting because even though I was listening to it, I'm like, you know, I'm thinking about the other two stories and how, about how much more fun they were than him arguing with the conspiracy theory guy, basically the, the right-wing nut job. Oh, you know, Wolf 359 was an inside job. The Dominion War wasn't real. That guy, we got him. Yeah, but he turned out to be right about the Vendorians. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. The, the broken clock is right Yeah, quick, broken eh? clock. Yeah, he was, he was the, oh, he was the broken clock. That's a better name. <laughs> uh, he's the broken clock. So, um, 
Um, yeah, so that was, uh, yeah, you're right. That was, that was somewhat redemptive. Um, but yeah. I did, I did love, uh, the, the Rutherford story, uh, with the fantastic Dr. Tana and the, the story was great. I know. Yeah. The clone baby, you know, they, the, the two of them. And I love it how all these stories seem to take place fairly recently. Like they all yeah. took place within the season because all of our characters in their flashbacks were all lieutenants as opposed to being yeah. ensigns. So this was all within the last several weeks that these things had happened. So a lot of, a lot, a lot, lot of cave stuff happens. A lot, a lot of cave stuff. Better name. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to tinker with that. Why don't you jump in and, and, and talk about those other couple stories? Please. Yeah. So, um, it's a lot of tropes. Like we've talked about, um, I love how all of the caves on the animated show had the same layout, just like yeah. <laughs> like the old action. the old stage like sixteen, or yeah. if you think about like yeah. TOS's Devil in the Dark with the Horda, you know how those yes. all very well lit caves, extremely mm-hmm. well lit caves. Yeah, yeah. Um, I liked that uh, Rutherford's solution to dealing with the with the big monster, the Graflax, was very similar to Devil in the Dark. It's like you just talk to it right. and, and figure out no what's going on. And, oh, it's the children. Yeah. It is exactly right. – it's the same thing. It, yeah, um, exactly. You can find one of my screen run articles about that. Anyway, you can. Um, plug, 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 plug. Yeah, you can. Uh, but no, it's it's the same thing. Um, the, the suddenly – male pregnancy thing is evocative of trip in enterprise. Um, (laughs) You know, lower decks has a way of bringing back the stuff that people kind of forget about or look down on and go, no, this is always part of star Trek. You can't just like forget about some of this dumb stuff because it's always been here. It's always going to be here. Um, And uh, what was the, Oh, Mariners with the, uh, uh, the, the 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 time age uh, the age spot, thing. Yeah. yeah, and she yeah. was with the Delta was, Shifters. Yeah, exactly. It's it's showing how people can bridge their differences, though. I mean, yeah. all of them yeah. were like that, and it's them making new friends, but keeping their bonds together. And that's what Tendi's focusing on because Tendi's so the power of friendship, right? Um, and how important that is to her. Yeah. 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 Power friendship for every what's that what was that from? It's always sunny. Nightman. Nightman. I've never seen oh. it. Oh my gosh. That's a there there's a little homework assignment for you. That was a <laughs> that that's a fun, very satirical. It's let me see, how did my brother ever describe that show? It's like Seinfeld if all of them were sociopaths. Which they kind of were, but you kind of take it to a next level. But anyway, not yeah. to get too, not to get too anyway. far. Afield. But anyway, yeah, so yes. back to, yeah, back to Mariner's yes, story too. Like that was, I mean, I don't want to just gloss over that one yeah. either, um, because that did show her kind of making amends with Delta Shift, and you know, there's all that animosity that she had just grown like for no good reason, and it's like, oh wait, you guys are people too, kind of, you know, like it's they're working together to find the solution, and she's not going to be like buddy buddy with them necessarily she's still gonna leave that guy's leg over there like (laughs) (laughs) oh that was that was pretty gruesome um but well we'll just have the doctor grow you a new one because yeah Yeah. wouldn't it be fun to live in a time where you don't have to worry about like i've got a bum foot right because i had an aroma in my i would love it if i could just have a new right foot 
Yeah. Give me a new right foot. You know what? Give me a new lower half of my spine where I had to have back surgery. I mean, oh, God, I really do. Look for <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really do look forward to that possibility. We can all live to be 100 until our brains turn into yeah. jelly or whatever. The doctor you know, threw me a new kidney. Right. Yeah. By giving you a pill. Yeah. Or Dr. McCoy himself, who lived to be mm-hmm. in his, you know, 100 and late 100. Oh, yeah. 30s, yeah, and then we saw him. He looked bad, but hey, um, wow. you know, it's okay. Better to be alive, right? I Still don't know. Kicking. Still kicking. Um, so cool. All right. Well, that that's yeah. yeah. And then at the end, yeah. So okay. So yeah, Tendy's story being the last one, she tells a very uh, fun tale that takes place after the end of the very first episode of the series when they're in the bar and drinking, and they all end up stranded in a turbo lift together, and. Um, it, talks about kind of melding their friendship together and stuff, but she ends up having to tell the story because the cave aliens uh, in, in the present says, we will not let you go until we hear the green one story, <laughs> you know, and she gets to, gets to tell that. And then they all get to get away. And um, yeah, I really dug it. I yeah. really dug um, that, that, re, you know, re, reaffirming of their own friendship, but then also um how you know they all have separate lives too and separate thoughts and they're not just all you know they're growing they're growing and kind of in a lot of ways moving in their own direction and doing different stuff but yeah it's really cool to see that after you know these four seasons i mean all of these characters are you know thought out from the beginning um but like they're adding more to them as we go they're taking input from the voice actors right Um, i know that tony newsom has said on uh her own podcast that uh Mariner's just her at this point. <laughs> yeah. Have you um, met her a couple of times? That yeah. seems very simpatico. Yes, I agree. Yeah. yeah. That's so awesome. It's, yeah. It's cool to see them grow and change and still just be themselves. Yeah. No doubt about it. Well, good. Yeah. Well, that wraps up talking about Lower Decks. And again, very excited in our next episode to talk about episodes nine, which we've seen at this point. And then episode 10, which we'll be seeing uh, the, the week that you're potentially listening to this. So, yeah, we'll be doing that, a big wrap up of the season and then uh, potential uh, uh, you know, uh, insights on what we might see in season five. Whenever that might be, it could be being written right now. But as far as uh, I don't, you know, I don't know. Well, you know, I mean, our voice actors can't go back and voice act. We know that, so the show is not going to be produced until that is over. So let's yeah. um, let let's hope and, to. Have and they, I believe, they record first. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah would, and then do the animation. Wouldn't really um, matter if they were animating it yeah. right now, but they they could be writing it. But then again, that yeah. could be held up by a lot of things as well. So, um, anyway, okay, let's move on. We are starting a new show in segment two, and again, Jen, this is very uh, this is a very big deal for me. Um, this is one of those you've you've got a VHS tape running in your head. So you told me yeah. you didn't even have the opportunity to watch these episodes again, but I am willing to bet um, that it will make any difference in your input. No, I watched these when they came out. No, 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 no. That you haven't watched oh. them recently. You didn't, you told me oh, you didn't watch them recently. Oh. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm actually in the middle of my DS9 rewatch right now. So I watched these oh, like a couple right. months ago. So they're oh, relatively Oh yeah, there you go. There you go. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. No, I misunderstood when you said, well, I didn't yeah. even get a chance to watch these. I'm like, but you said, but I feel very confident and I, be- and I absolutely believe yeah. you. I mean, and I, be- I, twice, season, I believe you twice season, as much now. Season three and four of DS9 are kind of what got me like into was, the, the constant like weekly watching of star trek was gotcha. season three of ds9 so uh, from no, here I, on out it's i've seen I, these <laughs> I, I i totally understand so uh set the table fall of 1995 season four of star trek mm-hmm. deep space nine so um watching as these aired the first time or did you watch them later on in life 
Watch them as they aired. Watch them as they aired. Okay, wow. Yeah. I remember this very first episode. Um, this was my sophomore year in college. I was home for a weekend. Uh, college and home, and home is is where I am right now, because I live in my childhood home, uh, was an hour apart. So it's not like, oh, my God, it was, a, you know, worlds away or whatever <laughs> it is. was home for the weekend. And I was taping it, as I always did with the pause and other commercials. But for some reason, there was a party going on. Like, my brother was living at home at the time, had a bunch of friends over, but we were all watching it, which is just so awesome. Like, 10, 10 people sitting around uh, in the den at my house, fireplace going in, uh, fire going in the fireplace, watching uh, this fantastic episode. So anyway, I will jump in with uh, the uh, two parts, split into two parts for the sake of syndication, uh, with appropriate trims, though, when you find it on Paramount plus which is of course where you find almost all of star trek plug 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 for the people at viacom who do uh provide uh screeners for their shows to me for the sake of doing this program uh that is where you find most of star trek we don't really we don't need to talk about prodigy right now um but anyway episodes in one and subsequently two of the season are the way of the warrior Directed by James L. Conway, written by the stellar team of Iris Stephen Bear, who I've met, super cool guy, Robert uh, Hewitt Wolf, uh, from September, the week of, remember it's syndication, so it's always week of, week of September 30, 1995. A Klingon fleet arrives on its way to expand the Klingon Empire at the expense of the Cardassians in the face of the Dominion threat. And Worf is brought to DS9 to negotiate. What a what a weird description of this episode. I just I don't know that. No, I just don't know that I would really because it, it kind of jumps you three quarters through the first segment to like okay that's why the Klingons are there um, because it was all well we've come to you know basically the way the episode starts up it's been several months uh since the end of season three uh which was the uh the episode where you know we found out the changelings have this widespread infiltration into the alpha quadrant one of them was you know using the defiant to try to start a war with a race called the zen Cathier to rekindle the war uh we said st- you know we they, they, he was stopped to the last moment but odo had to kill him which was the cardinal sin that will trust me play out later in the season of him you know being held responsible for that but we see our crew executing battle drills on the station you know just in case, you know, there's really a changeling here. How do we find him? So on and so forth. And blammo, a bunch of Klingons show up, just decloaking around the station. Uh, we get, uh, looking at our characters for the first time, it was it was promotion time over the summer. Dax got a promotion. Bashir mm-hmm. got a promotion. Cisco shaved his head. Now he yes. looks like Spencer from Spencer uh, for Hire slash uh, Hawk, <laughs> which was his character uh, back on that show in the early 80s. And um, yeah, so and this was this all happened in the teaser and a little bit more sprinkling of romance between uh, him and Cassidy Yates. So they just they just they just can't seem to figure it out. But it's very cute. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, we we jump right in. Uh, We're introduced to J.G. Hersler, who is Martok, who I will be meeting. This week, he is a guest at Grand Rapids Comic Con, oh, cool. uh, the event uh, that uh, our chapter, the USS Grand Petoskey, uh, is heavily involved in. And there is also a Klingon-centric event uh, Friday of this week, and I'll give you a nice plug and some websites uh, at the end of this to talk about the event. But it's at uh, it's at a, a bar establishment called The Bob here in downtown Grand Rapids uh, called The Klingon Drinking Party. Both he and Robert O'Reilly, who is Gowron, are both big guests at our show. And that we'll be having. It will be having a party. So yeah, if you're listening to me, if you live 
in West Michigan or if you live anywhere in Michigan or anywhere at all that you want to jump in a car and drive, 7.30 p.m. downtown Grand Rapids at the Bob in the basement, Klingon drinking party. There, I've already, <laughs> I've already saved the plug for the plug I said I was going to do at the end. Um, so anyway, all right, I'm turning yeah. it over to you. So Martok shows up. What happens then? Oh, my gosh. Um And <laughs> you want me to, should I keep, yeah, talking? You keep going? You keep okay. going. <laughs> so Martok shows up. He says that, well, we're, we're, you know, we know about the changeling thing. We're here to help out here. Everybody prove who they say they are. And he whips out his knife, cuts his palm, makes he's in a room. He's in the wardroom with Kieran and, uh, and Cisco makes them prove that they are who they say they are. And there's tons of Klingon on the station and things just start getting worse. You know, they're, they're hanging around quarks, making him nervous. A couple of them decide to beat up Garrick because Garrick is lippy and they finally figure out hey we need um we need boots on the ground we need someone on the Klingon someone who's a Klingon to tell us what's going on let's find Worf that's right it's the it's what becomes the first of two Star Trek series in their fourth season who decides to bring in a new character to spice things up um but yeah Worf shows up now this is chronologically speaking Less than a year after the events of Star Trek Generations, where uh, our our Enterprise DTNG crew splits up because of the uh, destruction of three quarters of the Enterprise D, we know that the saucer is later salvaged. Um, but yeah, Worf says, you know, I've been on extended leave. I've been on Boroth, the Klingon mini, you know, uh, monastery. So you know, he's, he's been, been meditating and kind of cooling out, trying to get in touch with his Klingon side. And he said, yeah, I'm back, but I'm really thinking about leaving Starfleet because I just don't where I belong and blah, blah, blah. So that kind of that kind of sets the table for what this experience is going to be like with Worf. And uh, so Worf gets in the mix. He roughs up a couple of Klingons, including Martok's son, uh, to get Martok's attention. Um, can't get an answer out of him, but for, finally through one of... Uh, uh, an old family friend. And I love the scene because as I was sitting with, as I mentioned, all the people at this party back in 1995, one of the guys was uh, a, a gearhead, a, a car buddy of my brother's who said, while these guys were drinking, the containers that they're drinking out of look like those little, little containers of oil. You find it like, pet oil, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, that's probably what the stuff tastes probably like. Probably what they used. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, Worf gets the answer, found, finds out that the Klingons are much like our uh, description told us. They're there to invade Cardassia because they think, you know, see my air quotes, they think that Cardassia has been taken over by the Changeling because there's been, you know, political upheaval, blah, blah, blah. All signs point to unnatural change. But really with the Klingons and even Worf points this out that it, you know what, it's an excuse. You know, there are some hardliners that think that the Klingons have been kind of sitting around with their, you know, with their fingers in their ears for too long, not being very Klingon-y going on, blowing stuff up, conquering. So this is just like a chance for them to do their jam. Let's go out, let's kill, let's conquer. And then very quickly, Things are about to come to a head, and that's when Gowron shows up. So Gowron shows up, uh, asks Worf to join him. Worf says no. So for like the fourth or fifth time, Worf is kicked out of Klingon. He's kicked out of the Klingon club. They said, you know what? You are banished again. Or maybe this is just the second or third time. I don't know. So many ups and downs with Worf and his status within Klingon society. But this was kind of the second big one where they said At you're at least ex- the second. Yeah. Yeah. You're excommunicated. You're not you're not a Klingon anymore. And uh we're gonna go on and do it. So they they you know, all the Klingons cloak and then they take off towards Cardassia. 
and eventually uh they decide that hey you know uh we're we you know we have to go help because the head military guy for the Klingons is uh, Dukat, or for the Cardassians is Dukat. He's trying to escape with the <laughs> civilian leaders. He gets stranded, and then our people go to rescue him. And and now with the Starfleet in the fight, the the the. So about peace between the Klingons and the Federation is over for good. And it's open warfare and they rescue Dukat and they're bringing him back to the station. And so now we're, we're deep into, you know, probably the, 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 you know, the third act of the second part. And that's when we get the absolute like kind of wish fulfillment of all time. They get back to the station. It's surrounded by Klingons and they're going to attack. And it's just CGI. Well, not even a CGI. <laughs> Don't forget, this is all practical models. Some yeah. of it, some of it looks kind of clunky in retrospect because you can tell they're blown up AMT model kits. But whatever. Um, but you have this great fight sequence because the station is totally retrofitted with like a billion photon torpedoes, bunch of phase <laughs> range. They're blowing up Klingon ships. Klingon ships are attacking them. Then the Klingons board the station. There's this massive uh, fight back and forth. I was just in, in just enjoy watching this because it was, um, it's taking star trek outside of the we're exploring strange new worlds and meeting fun aliens and having it just be a comic book of you know like it's the avengers versus the masters of evil or it's you know magneto versus the x-men it was just knockdown drag out explosions laser beams punching the klingon swords and everything um team ups that you would never expect like the the scene where ducat and garrick are teamed up side by side uh <laughs> protecting the the council leader so um i wrote in my night you know i and I almost never write notes but i did this time i wrote that this was the goat this was absolutely the <laughs> goat of, of anything i feel like you've seen uh in ds9 up to this time it was really it was a game changer so all right the, and and then at the end of it okay here's the end of my quickie summary um not unexpectedly, instead of leaving for parts unknown, Cisco comes to Worf, makes this big appeal, and Cisco says, I'll come work for you. And he finally gets, he'd been wearing his TNG uniform this whole time, but at the end of it, he gets a DS9 uniform in red. He takes a job. He's the strategic mm -hmm. operations officer. Um, and so he's he's part of the gang now. He's part of the yeah. he's part of the peanuts gang now. So he's <laughs> on board. And then, yep, episode ends. Um, all right. Take it away. <laughs> Take it um, away. I I think the thing that you're talking about where it kind of feels like just sort of blowing up action figures is one of the okay. reasons that this was not really my jam. Okay. Um, okay. But – and the thing is when this first came out, I was not a fan of Worf. I just – he was kind of my least favorite character on TNG or like – you know, I just I just didn't, didn't get the Worf of it all. But like – as the an worf. adult, did you just say you get the wharf of it all? New name yeah. of the new name of the episode okay. title. Keep talking. Um, but like on DS Nine, he's given more of a chance to shine. We see more of him, and as an adult, I'm more aware of like, oh, the Klingon episodes. Sometimes I would skip them when I was a kid because I just didn't get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fair. No, it. it's they're they're really they're really cool. They're really fascinating. Um Martok is great for one thing. Like he's yeah. the Klingoniest Klingon uh right. that there is. And, and he's um, all he's all gnarled up. Oh no wait, no, he's not all gnarled up. Sorry. I'm, not yet. I'm talking forward. I'm talking forward yeah. and I don't and I don't want to spoil a, a big uh, a yeah. big spoiler that doesn't come out for quite some time. Not yet. But he's got this, you know, this warrior soul and it's it's yeah. he's honorable and like in the way that it really ought to be. Right. Um 
And I, I really like that they establish him as that in this. Um, and I think that bringing Worf in does spice things up. Mm-hmm. Um, is this first thing, his first meeting with Dax is in this one or is it in the next one? No, no, no. They, everybody meets everybody. In yeah, this everyone meets Worf yeah, yeah. in this one. So yeah, you got that yeah. first encounter with Jadzia. So like you can right. see that kind of starting already. And I'm like, okay, this is cool. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I don't. It's it's a good start to the season. It sets up a lot of what's going to be happening politically. Um, we've got the dissolution of the of the Kitamar Accords as well. Right. So that, that kind of yeah. puts us like that that takes us back to an original series ish yep. kind of mentality regarding the Klingons and right. just but, setting but up even, all of these players. Even scarier still because in TOS there was no open warfare. Right. It was because it's it, it itself was. An it's based on the Cold War, so it was all this the Cold War. So yeah, you know, sneaking yeah. and like, oh, we're gonna we're not friendly. Every once in a while there'll be a dust up but it's like mm, yeah we're still just cold warriors yeah but now it and and like this is all intentional on part of the dominion too like they're trying to get us i mean we don't know that yet but like right right it's it's so clever how it it all sets up what's to come over the next season and like the next couple of seasons uh whether that's intentional by the writers at this point or not it's still it's cool to see it start yeah, and it's cool to see DS Nine really start to be what it is and what we remember mm-hmm. it being. Yes, yeah, e- exactly correct. No, I nailed it. So yeah, well, I, I get. I love how you're saying it's just like blowing. Up. I actually said blowing up model kits, but blowing up action figures is better because you can see your little <laughs> playmates. Like, like if you saw like the ship blow, you could see a couple of playmate Klingons go woo 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 like <laughs> to the side of it. <laughs> that would that would have been pretty amazing um, because this was um, unlike. You know, currently when it comes to action figures, as you can tell, obviously looking by my background, action figures are my thing. Um, Star Trek has never again seen the proliferation of um, output in that way since the 1990s. I know, I'm so sad. I love those action figures. Those those Playmates figures were not unlike Kenner's production 10 years earlier with yeah. the Star Wars figures that you got in in the early 80s in the the it really was it was from about I think the Playmates line started I think in 1992 and it yeah. pushed all the way through to just past the year 2000 but it really it had dwindled where you know Kenner their line started in 1978 and, and ended mm-hmm. very sharply in 1985 um so it, it had a a life expectancy that was or it had a, a duration that was about the same and of course the, the Kenner figures are very famous and valuable where mm-hmm. the Playmates figures even carded hell we have a couple of them in our charity auction which is another mm-hmm. very big of our show I uh, that a I'm, box of them while I was moving I know I <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I forgot I had these, and oh they're all God. just carded from the '90s. Still, oh my goodness. Well, um, yeah, I, I have a couple that we yeah. picked up. We did a grab bag from one of the vendors at Star Trek Las Vegas um, that we're doing in the auction. But I'm not. I'm doing them for a starting price of five bucks because that's all yeah. they're. Re- that's all they're really worth. And yeah. I would love it, you know, attending our charity auction if somebody's really wants a Doctor Soren figure from Star Trek Generations and wants to pay twenty five dollars for him. Let's hope the bid gets up that high. We'll keep our fingers yeah. crossed. But uh, no, in the meantime, yeah, yeah. this was. Uh, I know we really got on a tangent. There were a lot of great figures that came from DS Nine TNG. Voy- it's the only line of figures that has ever existed for Star Trek Voyager until yeah. um, EO EX Six is now producing. Really high end, and I had everyone from that first run of the Voyager figures. I had, I had really, I did have the core crew of all of the lines, and then I had a lot of the one offs and the weird stuff. And I sold the whole kit and caboodle uh, when I was just clearing out stuff about ten years ago to a local. 
oddity shop or a, you know, a kind of a secondhand store guy. So yeah. I, I then went back, I collected a bunch more. I got rid of, I actually sold those, a bunch of those in our charity auction last year. Now all I have is the original TNG 10 back in a bridge model that a guy sold me for. So I have the 92 bridge model. Wow. It's on the other side of where I'm recording. If I could flip the camera around, I'd show you. Yeah. But behind me, I have the other four figures. There's It was a, it was a Ferengi, a Borg, it was Gauron, and a Romulan. So I have the original okay. 10 back. Yeah. All right. Going to really, this was anyway. a, a long tangent. <laughs> uh, let's move on to episode, we're going to, we'll call it episode three because that's how it was numbered, but really second episode mm-hmm. of the season. Jen, it's all yours. All right. Episode three, The Visitor, uh, directed by David Livingston, written by Michael Taylor, original air date October 7th, 1995. An elderly Jake Sisko relates the story of how he lost his father to a temporal displacement accident. Heartbreaker. Ooh, yeah. This episode is one of the saddest, I I think, because it's just all these mischances and um, Jake's search for his father throughout time and knowing that his whole life that he has, he has to give it up so that in the past, everything will be okay. Right. And, you know, this is a, this is a theme you see in Star Trek every now and again, you know, someone's descendants, you know, get erased from the timeline and all that stuff. But this really made it feel like you know, you have this elderly Jake, you have this woman come knock on his door and asking, oh, are you Jake Sisko, the famous writer? And he's like, I was, and explains kind of the story of, of yeah, how he lost his father and how he's always been searching for him. And, and the thing is, Sisko is like kind of unstuck in time, so to speak. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. He, he keeps reappearing at different intervals throughout Jake's life. Um, and it's, they find that they're, that, he's tied to Jake. Right. How? Right. Um, yeah. It's you know, a, so it's like, it's a rubber. It, dies, yeah. It's going to go back to normal. Right. It's a rubber band right. through time is the analogy he yeah. gives. And when it gets slack, then Cisco pops up for a couple minutes and then it starts yeah. out again and he's gone. The young woman yeah. trivia, uh, is yeah. her name is, uh, Rachel Robinson. Uh, that is Andy Robinson's daughter, Garrick. Oh yeah, I know. Did right. Yeah. Kind of weird how they snuck it. And then, of course, the elderly Jake or Jake throughout time is actor Tony Todd, who is Warp's brother mm-hmm. Kern. And also, because it's uh, October Spooktober and April and I have been watching nothing but horror <laughs> movies, he is the Candyman set, uh, from Chicago. Oh. Candyman from Chicago. That okay. whole movie. Yeah, that whole movie is set, if you've never seen it, is set in uh, one of the housing projects in Chicago. The uh, uh, I've already forgotten. It's something green. I'm aware of that, but yeah. I'm not... Yeah, I don't think that you, you would know. enjoy it. Even I mean, that movie—it's now thirty years old—is is still yeah. quite horrific. So if I don't think that if uh, yeah funny. yeah, and then there was a, there was a re- remake slash continuation of it that came out a couple of years later, where the star of that was Denzel Washington's son, who's on a meteoric rise right now as an actor. But yeah. that's just us getting off on another tangent. Yeah, sorry about that. That's okay. Um, um, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's. I see it a lot on lists of like, oh, if you can show someone one episode, it, you know, show them this one. I think it's kind of a interesting sort of one-off episode, right. not really the best one to show someone as a first episode. You kind of yeah. have to know more about Jake and Ben right. and how important their relationship is to each other to um, 
to fully appreciate it, I think. I mean, right. it's not impossible, but it it's just so removed from what else DS9 is. Right. But it's a really, really good episode. It's really you, good. It's you know, I, really I cool could Twilight Zone. Yeah, I could see how it makes someone's, you know, oh, show them this one. Because again, it's a very Star Trek-y kind of concept. Time yeah. travel, alt-reality, you know, it's very yeah. sci-fi. But again, for, by what's driving it, um, being that we're also very familiar with, um, you know, why, you know, Jake and his father are so close. And father-son yeah. stuff always touches me in a very special place. I've I've talked about this on all of the different SFU shows I've been a part of because of my own relationship with my dad and my relationship with my, my two sons and, and having you know perils and pitfalls and some tough times that's always you know and when uh, peter and i are for example are going through ron moore's battlestar galactica right now over on the patreon another reason to visit and check it out um same thing with you know with uh the, the adamas the father and the son on that it's a that's a tough one but this is a great father-son relationship there, there's yeah. no real cracks in it but it's very interesting to see how jake disregards all the wonderful things in his life to continue yeah. pursuing this obsession and it's it's very sad to think about, you know, he put off moving forward with his life by leaving the station until he was forced to do so, you know, in this alternate timeline, you know, four or five years after the incident. And then, you know, he finally starts to put it aside. His, his father doesn't reappear to, reappear to him again. He figured that's, you know, he, he's gone now for good. So I'm going to move on with my life. And he starts writing and then he gets married. And, you know, you see him, his life, you know, another 15, 20 years down the road. And Nog is still in his life. Nog is a Starfleet captain or Starfleet yeah. commander at that point, and but has moved forward in his career in Starfleet, which does happen in the regular show. So, you know, yeah. it's interesting from a costuming standpoint, it's interesting to me how those uniforms that we first saw in all good things, they're most they're one pieces, but mostly color mostly colored yeah. up top with the rank pips the uh, on the breast and the black stripe yeah. and that badge are never made canonical unless I'm mistaken. Cause we only see them no. here. We see them in the series finale of Voyager. So that's going forward to this point. And we see them in this episode. So they, for some reason, because of, changes in the timeline nobody dreams up one of those uniforms maybe the guy who designed those uniforms uh got hit by a bus for some reason that would have been prevented I think it's an interesting just a note from a costuming standpoint is that when you see those they 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 show you oh this is the future yeah um and it could be that that's a note for this is a future that will never come to pass because that's what happened Ooh, in right. Voyager and in All Good Things when we saw those uniforms right. before, that too. All of those um, timelines were wiped out, yeah. Yeah. So were they the same timeline that got wiped out? I don't know. But it's it, they could be. But, I mean, maybe it's just something that they're closer in, you know, closer together on a, on a branching timeline. Um, that they're going to have some similarities, uh, but it is—it's just an interesting note from a, from a from a costume standpoint. I noticed something about the badges too in Future Imperfect and TNG, but that's a different. The, it, no, it, yeah, it was because, well, because Future Imperfect was uh, uh, how it was not even anything where, yeah, where uh, the um, um, the Wharf episode, which you just mentioned, which is a uh, parallels, parallels, has the same badges and the same yes. the badge with the rank, but that one has the badges with the rank bars behind it and the neck pips. So that was that was because you mm -hmm. saw Wesley, you saw Wesley as chief security of the Enterprise. Another one of those, it was the Voyager season five timeless where they still wore yeah. the TNG uniforms, but they had that all good things badge. So there's your giveaway. Yeah. That those two those two style of badges always mean 
that it's something that's not going to stick. That's so yeah. bizarre. It's so bizarre. Um, but anyway, back to the episode. Um, yeah. yeah, in the end of it, obviously, Jake is able to figure out that at the end of his own life, he's able to snap back, you know, 70 years to the point of the accident or however yeah. old he was and prevent it from happening, um, which he does. And then obviously things go on kind of the normal way. So, yeah, great episode. But, yeah, you're right. I, I think I, I'm, I'm of two minds about it. Great sci-fi concept for someone who's never seen Star Trek before. But to get the nuances of the characters, it's a little more difficult, but to appreciate the nuances of the characters is also in some ways kind of universal. So I see both sides. I see like two thirds of an argument there where the last third is like, yeah, but this isn't really Star Trek. It's science fiction plus regular people stuff, which is something that Star Trek excels at. But then the the Star Trek part of it is not really very easily accessible. So I I, I definitely agree with you there. So, all right. Okay. Moving on. Episode four is (laughs) Hippocratic Oath. The director is Rene Aubergenois, Odo himself. Uh, Story by Nicholas Correa. Haven't heard of him. And Lisa Klink, who goes on to be a uh, powerful writing force on Star Trek Voyager. Um, so mm-hmm. this was potentially one of her introductions to Star Trek in general, because October 14th, uh, October, uh, the 95-96 season would have been the beginning of the second season of Voyager. And I don't think she was part of the staff at that point, but I could be wrong. Um, she also did the teleplay for the episode. And again, it's from October of 95. Uh, Bashir is captured with Chief O'Brien by a rogue group of Jem'Hadar uh, on a planet of the Gamma Quadrant who are attempting to overcome their genetic addiction to Ketracel White, which, as we know, is how they're controlled by the yeah. Dominion. Their reader, their leader, Garanagar, who is uh, uh, a great actor who we see in a lot of other Star Treks, whose name is going to escape me, uh, he was... Um, Oh, my God. In Voyager, in the very first episode, he was one of the Starfleet guys who didn't get killed. Lieutenant Ensign so-and-so. Oh, it's going to kill me. Scott, not Scott Thompson. Oh, I don't know. I'm gonna, I I would look I, it up, but I would feel bad for looking it I up. I don't know. But anyway, Granagari is able to survive without it and forces Bashir to try to find out why. War, oh, and then we get a B story back on the station. Worf is finding it difficult to leave security matters to Security Chief Odo, a very like kind of sitcom-y, kind of like, oh boy, I just can't remember. You know, it was this was the literal definition of a sitcom premise was the B story to this. So it kind um, of was because there was misunderstandings. Exactly. Yeah, it was it was yeah. very it was your threes company of DS. <laughs> like, oh man, I don't know what's going on here. Um, so anyway, uh, a story with Bashir and O'Brien on this planet so the Bashir and O'Brien at this point have finally become like the best of best buds you know they are they are super duper buddies and they're tossed in this situation where they have diametrically opposed viewpoints Um, Bashir as a physician sees these Jem'Hadar suffering without the one thing that keeps them alive Um, but again can't really crack the mystery of why the survivor Scott oh my god the guy the the dude the head dude Granagar Scott something I'm going to call him Scott something Jem'Hadar. Scott something Jem'Hadar. Why he's alive and the other people that he can't really figure out why. So Bashir as a scientist and as a medical and as someone who has that empathy that comes with being a physician wants to help them where uh, where O'Brien, who's practical and he's a soldier and he's a survivalist, a realist, mm-hmm. realize that there's no way that he and Bashir are going to survive the situation if they hang around. So he focuses on helping them escape. And this is when the two of them come nose to nose and Bashir asserts you know, asserts his authority as, you know, the officer versus the enlisted man, which is, this was, oh, sidebar, first time when Chief O'Brien was identified by his actual rank. 
when the Jem'Hadar addressing the down at the beginning says, you are, you know, you are a, uh, Chief Petty Officer, known as a non-com or non-commissioned officer in the yeah. military parlance, had never been addressed. Don't forget <clears throat> the long legacy of what the hell is Chief O'Brien, because when, <laughs> when he first appeared in Encounter and Farpoint, the very first episode of TNG, he wore an ensign's pip, didn't get a name until the second season of TNG. He went from red to gold, still wearing an ensign's pip. Throughout the second season of TNG, yeah. he wore that he wore two pips, indicating a rank of lieutenant, um, but was never was never addressed as anything but O'Brien or Chief O'Brien or Miles <laughs> eventually. And it wasn't until season six of TNG, just prior to the beginning of DS9, that his two pips went down to a single hollow pip, indicating that he was a uh, a senior NCO or basically a chief petty officer yeah. never addressed never. And, and it's not saying like, Oh, it's not like he was Mariner and Oh, he got busted because he's rogue or whatever. Um, it was just, no, never, it was just it, a, it, he was a it, background dude. It, it was, yeah. I no mean, one it, expected that he would become right. chief miles, Edward O'Brien, <laughs> the most important person in Starfleet history. Let's yes! not forget as identified by lower decks. So anyway, I, I, I like this. I love seeing them, you know, coming to a showdown, but at the end of it, you know, O'Brien does it disobeys orders and does what he thinks is right yeah. to save both of their lives, which is true because at the end of which it, which is a very Star yeah. Trek thing to do. It's yeah. you know you you have to follow what you believe in, and in this case, both of them are doing what they believe in, right? And what they believe to be right, and except for what I mean, Bashir I like believes, that it's not, yeah, Bashir would yeah, believe they got to gotten them killed without a doubt. I, yeah, it would have. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, it's still what he's trying to do. And he's and because he's Bashir, he's like, I'm gonna find the solution for this. I'm yeah, because, because he loves a mystery. And he's a Superman, which nobody knows yet. Right. Yeah. 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 So he's like, if I can't do this, no one can. Right. I'm gonna do it. Um O'Brien is like, we gotta go. We gotta, yeah. you know, they're gonna kill us. Um, which again, like you said, practical. But I also like that. They can disagree, and it doesn't actually affect their friendship. They're still right. such good friends that it withstands this uh, different viewpoint, different approach uh, to this. And I mean, it's still fairly early, so Bashir's still kind of naive and idealistic. Yeah, right. um, you know, he he does get sort of hardened by the war, like everyone does. Right. But it's something in his character that I that I always liked that he yeah. was so optimistic and and so like just determined. And the interesting thing about the B story in this one is that it echoes the A story, which a good B story should do true, in true. that Worf and Odo have these very different approaches to security and both of them are sticking by what they know and what they believe. So, you know, Worf is this very by the book and Odo has these other ways of doing things, mm -hmm. you know, non-Starfleet ways yeah. and using sort of these, you know, non-traditional methods that still get the job done and get it done better, really, right, uh, right. Than, than Worf would have done because DS9 is a different environment. Right, right. And, you know, that's something that I think all of the characters have to remember in a way is that it is a different environment. It's a former Cardassian station. It's, you know, they're working with the Bajorans. It's not fully Starfleet. So, you know, the, the methods that Worf is used to are not really going to work. Right. And some of the stuff that Bashir really wants to do, not really going to work either. 
Right. Exactly correct. My, my, yeah. my. So yeah, good stuff. Yeah. And good, definitely yep. good breakdown of that second aspect. So cool. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. We're doing great so far uh, as far as great <laughs> episodes of the season. And I, I think it just uh, rambles on into the next episode, which is uh, episode five in indiscretion. Directed by LeVar Burton. Look at that. We got stars Yay. directing this season. I love it. Um, story by Tony Marbury and Jack Triviano, Tri- Trivino, which not not two names I recognize, so possibly from the slush pile. But we get uh, Nicholas Correa, uh, who was from the previous episode, did the teleplay. So don't know much about him. Maybe he was a maybe he was a story writer who just didn't work out, or you just don't hear anything about him. Again, from October of '95, um, forced to bring Ducat along on a personal mission to investigate the fate of the Cardassian prison ship Ravenock, which disappeared six years ago, six years previous. Uh, Kira discovers the real reason her old enemy. Wants to accompany her. And the B story. We got a lot of good A story, B stories going on in the early part yeah. of the season. So on the, on the station, off of the station. Cisco appears to have reservations about Cassidy Yates coming to live on the station. And here's the, only the second note I've ever given on any of these. It's a big step. It is a big step. <laughs> it is a big step. Um, wow. This is an important episode, which sets off some really pivotal um, uh, plot points that dog for the rest of the series. Uh, you get... Ducat has always been pretty damn one-dimensional. He's a scumbag. He's a warlord. He's a sociopath. He's a killer. I keep calling him a bad penny in my head. Like, he just keeps coming back. Right. Why are you here? He's just throwing his weight and his ego around and flirting with Kira just inappropriately. And and here we find out why. (laughs) Uh, And we get even more (laughs) further on down the road. But what you you actually find out is that there is, you know, and again, he's not human. So you say there's a human side to him, but there is something about him that is quasi redemptive while at the same time, fantastically self-serving is that he had (laughs) a, one of several Bajoran mistresses. He has another yeah. Bajoran mistress we find out about later on that I, yeah. I, you know, I know we won't cover that episode for well over another year, so I don't even want to spoil yeah. it. But anyway, he had a uh, Cardassian mistress by which he fathered a daughter who is now 13, uh, who was uh, on this prison ship, not as prisoners, but they were hitching a ride in order to go to another Cardassian planet where they could seek refuge because the the mother was Bajoran and the, the child is obviously uh, half and half in a Bajoran yeah. and a Cardassian. There's uh, no real place that she would be welcome. Exactly. And this was, and again, that was covered very heavily in the season two episode of this show called Cardassians that had to do with yeah. um, these, uh, these uh, Cardassian war orphans. This is the same. Yeah. This is the same bit where, you know, the Cardassian um, out of wedlock uh, multi uh, species children are also not exactly top shelf uh, as far as their societal <laughs> acceptance. Um, so that, you know, obviously they, you know, they, uh, they find, you know, they, they find this crashed ship. It's on a desert planet, and it's our first introduction in person to the Breen, which are these. I, I identified them immediately. It's take Leia's character from Return of the Jedi as Bausch the bounty hunter. Take that outfit, times it up by about five, and you get the, like a big lanky version of that outfit of a characters that don't speak any perceptible language that we're ever able to understand because the Breen get much 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 more developed in season seven of this show when they become part of the dominion war. Um, but in this case, they, they're, you know, they're running a prison camp. And <clears throat> what Ducat says is that I need to 
find my daughter and I unfortunately need to kill her because if I take her back, my standing in society and my relationship with my everyday family will be destroyed because uh, of my indiscretion. Name of the episode. Nailed it. Um, So you watch him struggle with that because, again, he's like, I have a daughter, but I got to kill her. And Kira says, I'm not going to let you do that. And then when it it comes right down to the very TV-like moment where he's pointing the gun at her and she says, I always dreamed of you coming to save me, but if you don't really want to save me, you probably ought to just shoot me. And what does he do? He doesn't shoot her. He says, I was wrong. I love you. (laughs) And they rescue her. Um, Kira's friend, of course, who they actually went there to rescue is dead. So, you know, hey, that's fine. Uh, Whatever. Um, But that, that was never really, obviously never really ended up being the point at the end of it. So great A story. And at the end of it, they end up back on the station and Ducat takes her back to Cardassia. But you're right. Even at the end of it, she's like, well, hey, let me know how it goes. And Ducat's like, oh, I totally will let you know how it goes. Because he's still flirting with her and being disgusting. Um, But anyway, that's the very heavy, the the very heavy A story. The B story is um, Cisco and Cassidy. They have this evolving relationship. But you know what? She's a cargo pilot. She doesn't live on the station. She's there. She's gone. So he's got like this long distance relationship. And he's kind of down with that because it's not... It's not kind of too much. He doesn't for him to, have to commit too. He doesn't much. have to work too hard. It's not like it's he's not seen other. Ready. He's not like he's seen other people. But it's like you know he's a yeah. widower and he just that seeing seeing someone is very difficult for him and he you know has very serious feelings for Cassie but he's just not ready to take that. So he does let slip when talking to her when she comes to him and says, "Hey." I might get a job with the Bajoran government and then I can have a spot on the station. And isn't that super cool? And he says. What does he say? It's a big step. <laughs> oh, man. And it's nothing's funnier than when he's relating the story to Dax and Dr. Bashir. And they both go, well, it is a big step. But basically, yeah. you know, you're a moron. Um, and, yeah, and Cassidy, when when Cisco says that, she's like, you know, what? I'm not even going to take the job. You know, forget it. And so he finally gets his head out of his ass and says, hey, you know what? This is a me thing, not a you thing. Don't listen to me. It's just, you know, I just, it's tough for me because my, my dead wife, blah, blah, blah. And she says, you're a moron, but it's cool. I forgive you. <laughs> Let's move on. So, I, I like it. Yes. So, yeah. um, cool duality between the super heavy, super serious A story and your somewhat frivolous, kind of punchline driven, but ultimately kind of character building for Cisco. Yeah. Um, B story. So great episode. Yeah, it, keep, it keeps the levity in there. It keeps it from getting dragged down too much by that heavy A story. Yeah. Big time. My goodness. Yeah. yeah, cool. All right. Now, number six is going to be all you because you, when I, when we were talking <laughs> about this on our team group chat, setting this up a couple weeks ago, you're like, oh, it was my moment for, and I won't say what it was. Your yeah, moment. a little bit. I'll, I'll leave that to you if you want to say it or you don't want to say it. I don't want to, I don't want yeah. to toss it out there. Um, but anyway, take it, take it away with episode six, please. Episode six is Rejoined, um, directed by Avery Brooks, story by Renee Echevarria, teleplay by Ronald D. Moore and Renee Echevarria. Big stars. Uh, aired October 28th, 1995. Dax is reunited with Lenara Khan, whose previous host was the wife of one of Dax's former host, Tarias Dax, and the two struggle with their feelings for one another. Whoa, oh my. <laughs> now, in this episode, there's this taboo in Trill society, which 
was never really referenced before or since, but it stands in as the taboo against a same-sex relationship. Correct, Amanda. Um, you know, Star Trek is always about the era in which it airs or is produced. Mm-hmm. And this being 1995, this is a moment for um, LGBT representation uh, on television and kind of everywhere. Um, I believe this is kind of right around when right before Ellen comes out. I mean, it's that kind of era, right? You're getting more awareness of this. So, and Star Trek has never really dealt with same-sex relationships directly. You had an episode in TNG, The Outcast, that was meant to be that, but didn't quite get that. Um, So this was the first time. And the, the taboo in Trill Society is that there is no reassociation between hosts of previous that were previously connected. Right. Now, which if I can jump in, because we covered this very, very recently in the first appearance of the trill, which was at the end of season four of TNG. uh, I think that was Peter and I talking. I don't, I don't know if it was me and you, I think it was Peter and me talking because it was only a few weeks ago um, that the trill in that episode, um, immediately wanted to hook up with Beverly again. So it was like, it was not an issue at all. Now the difference though, is that oh, she was not a troll. Uh, correct Mundo. Okay. And okay. That's fair. When that's you fair. see this happening with Dax, you know, there's no stigma against, um, Jedzia or Ezri associating with Cisco, who was one of Curzon's friends. Right. And the reassociation with, you know, Yes, Ezri can come back, come to DS9. That's later on down the line, of course. But yeah, yeah. like, you know, the the taboo seems to be between trill Correct. hosts specifically right. hosting symbionts that they don't want the slugs. They don't want yeah. the slugs kissing. <laughs> yeah, the idea being that the uh, no, the idea being that the symbionts are just going to create this like dynasty of you know not having new experiences because they're just going to keep on. Doing the same thing. with the same people over and over again. Right. So it's not like illegal, but it's might as well be. It's very right. frowned upon. They say if they do this, they're going to get exiled. Right. And they're, they're fighting with their feelings for each other. And they're wondering like, is this, is this Tarius's memories coming up? And there's some closure to that relationship because mm-hmm. Jedzia is able to explain what's going on, uh, what, what Tarius was thinking when he died. Right, um, right. But the more time that they spend together, and it's really cute. I mean, they have chemistry. Yeah. Um, but they do decide to have a physical relationship. Uh, and it is the first same-sex kiss on Star Trek. Yeah, and, uh, and really, in large part to, I think, broadcast television of any kind, if I'm not mistaken. Pretty close, anyway. It's it's a lot of a lot was happening around this time, right? It was it, if yeah. it was if it was first, it was by a nose, or if it was second, yeah. it was by a nose. Yeah. It was one of the first, absolutely without yeah, a doubt. It was it was early, and there was such a kerfuffle about oh this episode. My God. Oh, I remember Entertainment Weekly TV guy because back in the day, people read magazines. It was a thing. Yeah. I know. I had a subscription to Entertainment Weekly from about nineteen. 
96 on and off until it ceased to exist, which was about five or six years ago, if that. Oh, okay. um, so yeah, it was one of those like, hey, you read it and then it, you know, it ended up on your pile of magazines in the bathroom and that's where you read it the rest of the time. And yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, this was, yeah, this was like, oh, it's the big controversy and stuff. And, and again, maybe because this was a syndicated program, that made it a it was and again as iris Stephen bear said on one of the talks i heard him uh, do when I, we were on the star trek cruise earlier this year people weren't paying attention to what we were doing at all he said so that probably made yeah. it very easy for them to blast a script like this through and then uh, get it get it you know get it produced and then you know get it on the air uh and so much the better because it's a wonderful very star trek kind of story the morality play what's at the center of it um, and ultimately, you know, kind of like the, uh, one of the episodes we talked about just even, uh, last week when we were wrapping up season four of TMG, the half a life with David Ogden Styers as Dr. Yeah. Timison and his society that everyone has to die at age 60, kind of like, you know, uh, like Logan's run, which is a great sci-fi movie from the seventies, <laughs> which I referenced at the time, you know, in that episode, because he's, you know, falls in love with Waxana Troy and she's like, this is barbaric. He said, but it's the way of my people. And for a while he's not going to do it, but then ultimately he realizes that, you know, that I want to be with my wife or I want to, you know, I want to mm-hmm. honor my society. And that's ultimately kind of what bleeds right back into this one. So again, yes, a very Star Trekky uh, kind of, um, you know, making a difficult choice, impossible situation. Um, yeah, I, I think they pulled it off yeah. well. And it wasn't. And it doesn't last. Yeah. You know, it's a, right. one, it's a one and done episode. Lenara doesn't come back. Right. Um, but this was an important episode for me too. I mean, I was, I love Dax. Like she was my favorite character on, on yeah. DS9. Um, and, and for me it was, it made me realize that this was relevant to my life um, as well, because I, I'm bi. And this made me realize that this is something that you could be mm-hmm. to see it on TV. And it's so important to have that representation that you still have um, on Star Trek with, you know, your non-binary and trans characters on Discovery. And, mm-hmm. you know, that you're more, um, just more uh, queer representation on Star Trek and just more representation of all kinds. Um, you know, you have a hijabi on Lower Decks just in yeah. the background. And that's so important too. Um, the future is for everyone. Yeah. And yeah. Star Trek shows us who we are Mm -hmm. and who we can be. And for, you know, preteen Jen watching this um, alone. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, and I see them kiss and I'm like, Oh, Oh, they can do this. Now there's still the taboos. There's still the, the warnings against it, Yeah, but it was eye opening. Yeah. Um, you know, because Jadzia has, you know, relationships with men. She talks about men a lot, but, you know, in, in any case of her having a relationship with a woman is in the context of a previous host who is male right. uh, having a relationship with a woman. But it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, and it doesn't matter to her. So does it have to matter to me? Right. And right. Exactly. It doesn't. So... In my limited understanding of, of, you know, 
things of the 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 bisexual and the you know trans and and the queer community mm-hmm. um because the symbiotes are not human is my understanding of pansexuality would that be more applicable to the symbiotes yeah. you know you lo- yeah exactly so symbiotes yeah. themselves are pansexual the actual yeah. physical slug there yeah. i got that well, one they right don't have a gender, for me. as yeah. far as i understand the symbionts don't no, not at all. Have a gender. I mean, it's right. a social construct anyway, so it doesn't. It's true. Really it's matter. True. Yeah, um, it's really true. <laughs> Pansexual symbiosis commission. There you go. <laughs> On trill. Um, that's no. It's fascinating. You're right. So this is yeah. the most. This is the most. In some ways, Star Trek of of all the segments we've talked about in this episode, I think, because yeah. it's the very best of us um, showing that all things are possible and. What I've always maintained is that, you know, love is love and uh, rules that tell you who to love and who not to love are superfluous. And that's the real construct is someone else telling you how to feel and and what love means there. Thanks for coming to my TED talk. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's 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 totally that's epic. And it's awesome. And I do like it that it's a one off because, you know, maybe this wouldn't be a great enduring um storyline maybe this was really best told uh, in the way that it was told lenara does get a mention at the end of season five as one of the designers of the device that they try to use to collapse the wormhole which ultimately uh would have worked but it but it didn't um but yes yeah uh dax does give her a shout out and say well she was always better at theory than in practice so it was actually more of a dig ouch that's stone cold anyway okay well wrapping up these uh six or rather five episodes because of the double parter let's give a favorite Favorite and a least favorite, and I'm going to make you go first. Okay. Um, or my favorite you, is rejoined. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah, my favorite okay. is rejoined. Um, again, for all of those personal reasons that I've that I've mentioned, it is it's an important episode to me personally. Um, also, just love Dax. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, they're all really good. Uh, Maybe maybe indiscretion as a least favorite. Yeah, but again, they're all really good. It's just I Ducat is not my favorite in general. Um, yeah. So. I hear you. Uh, yeah. I would yeah. be I would be fearful if someone said Ducat was their favorite. <laughs> that would be more scary <laughs> to me. Um, I, again, for, for the reasons that you said, you're like, meh, um, I just will remember, and maybe this is me looking back with rosy colored glasses, but the way the warrior with the, you know, the explosion of action figures and model kits and stuff, um, just really spoke to me and seeing Worf, which was like TNG is back. And especially, especially after how kind of disappointed a lot of us were with Star Trek generations at the time, it was great to see, you know, one of the, the more interesting characters, uh, of TNG. Cause again, we had our real strong characters and our real like eh, characters in TNG. I, you know, I always really enjoyed Worf. Uh, so it was great. To, and then to throw him in the mix with the TNG characters and like, let's see how this spices things up. You just knew, you knew that more exciting things were coming when it was done and you yeah. knew it was going to stick around. And I love seeing all the Klingon stuff. And, you know, like I said, I enjoyed the, ex- the exploding action figures. That's thumbs up for, I would almost, <laughs> I would almost change the name of the episode to that. I'll have to think about that. Although that don't get, you usually end up naming the episode something great. So this episode right now is don't get the wharf of it all. Um, yeah, I can't change that. That's too good. That is, that's too good. Um, so for a least favorite, um, I don't want to say, you know, I, I mean, the, the visitor is not one I go back to a ton. 
Um, even yeah. though it's, even though it's great, but I thought you know the whole episode. There's like three minutes of it that's or the real episode and not just some alt, the alt, the alt timeline ones kind of wear on me while I think okay. it was a great story moment for story moments. The episode itself, I just wasn't thrilled with. Cause you're like, Oh, all this stuff happened. And then there's those damn uniforms again, playing with my heart. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's ever, those uniforms have been produced, but not by the costuming vendor that we like, not by Cosmo. Yeah. I'll give them a free plug. Um, but uh, yeah, they never produced one. So I thought, you know what? I just don't like having my heart jerked around by uh, by costumes. So that's a big thumbs down yeah. for me. Oh, my goodness. All right, cool. Well, that is uh, the end of our episode, and we will be back um, next time to talk about the next seven segments because we go six, seven, six, seven in order yeah. to get through 26 episodes. So the next seven uh, in the next one. But, Jen, so glad to have you back in the saddle. It's been a minute. Yeah, and for glad a full to episode, be back. It's been a minute. So, yeah, hopefully now that you are uh, settled uh, in your um, big move that you'll be back on. Uh, hopefully more consistent basis so i love it yeah. and, and we'll, well get to sit, for we'll, a given degree of settled <laughs> yeah a different, well it's it settled for the as it were you're sitting yeah. on, you're sitting on a couch that's not being moved by someone yes uh, so that's a good thing um well in the meantime obviously and then we'll talk about uh you know doing some more stuff over on the patreon as well but where do people find you in a place that is not here yes so i have a link tree which is linktree.com slash jen watson art uh, on the link tree, you can find links to my Etsy shop, my Instagram, my Facebook page for my art, uh, and of course, my Screen Rant articles, uh, where I write about Star Trek, Yay! which plug, is plug, really plug. exciting. We do, right? uh, yeah, so go check those out, please, um, and and let me know what you think. Uh, you can message me on Instagram if you want to. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. Uh, and you can find all my other projects. Very good. At my link tree, Jen Watson. Uh, yeah, linktree.com slash Jen Watson art. And the good news is it's also in the show notes um, as I yes. leave it as I leave it there permanently. So um, and we are I will say, you know, from the Secret Friends United family, we're super, super proud of the work you do on, on Screen Rant. So uh, Thank just you. glad to have you as part of our team big time. Um, you can find me as always over on X slash Twitter uh, at the C3. Go ahead and spell it out. I am doing my best to get active on threads because Todd keeps talking about it every time we do our main show. Uh, that's C3 Carpenter. Spell it out. That is also my Facebook, which I really don't mess with that much. Um, but it's also Instagram, which I'm trying to do a bit more, but it's usually just a picture of me working out or a picture of my cats or something. I mean, it's it's not great content. I'm not going to lie to you, but I am there. Um, most <laughs> importantly, my lovely wife, April, and I do run the USS Grand Petoskey. We are one of the biggest chapters of Starfleet, the international Star Trek fan club in the world. We're based here in West Michigan, and as I was talking about a little bit earlier, we uh, are going to be a very big part of the Grand Rapids Comic Con here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, this upcoming weekend, should you be listening to this when the episode first comes out, November 3, 4, and 5 at the DeVos Place, downtown Grand Rapids in Michigan. Um, on Friday night, I was talking about the Klingon drinking party, which I'm very excited about. Uh, it's a five, $5 cover at the door at the B.O.B. or the big old building, the Bob, which is right at the middle of town. Can't miss it. Down in the basement. Um, we're going to be drinking and hanging out with Honest to God Klingons. The actors that played Martok and Gowron <laughs> will be hanging out with us uh, and, you know, costume members of our chapter, including myself and my wife and uh, a couple of the other people uh, on our senior staff will be there with us. Most importantly, on Saturday night, uh, after after the show closes, uh, up in Grand Gallery, Overlook E will be our second annual chapter meeting, which is not going to have a ton of content outside of our silent auction to benefit the Make-A-Wish 
Foundation of Michigan. As I've talked about in the past, uh, I had a young son, Parker, who passed away in 2020 due to a lifelong illness at the age of 13. Uh, before that happened, he and his brother and my ex-wife were uh, able to take a trip to Disney World through the auspices of the Make-A-Wish of Michigan. So mm-hmm. since we've had the chapter since 2019, we have been steadily raising funds uh, to, to donate right back to Make-A-Wish of Michigan to make other Make-A-Wish uh, kids be able to have uh, their dreams come true. Last year, we were able to raise over $1,100. Uh, we were uh, gifted um, over 60 items by members of our chapter uh, that at face value are looking at about $1,300 at starting base value for the silent auction. I'm hoping to double that number. Also, back at our, our booth, which will be throughout the, the con, we do have Tribbles for Sale, which has been very, very successful in raising money. We also have a number of other donated items, which will be available at the booth. But we would love to see you there. Please visit the Grand Rapids Comic Con website uh, to purchase tickets. Tickets can also be purchased at the door. And I believe that local shop sales have wrapped up, but you can find uh, tickets uh, there. And then if you stop by the booth, we'd love to talk about joining our chapter as well. Um, But anyway, that's the biggest plug I've ever done for the chapter on this show. Um, But with that, I will uh, bid you adieu. Friends, thank you as always for joining us. I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trekking. And be the Starfleet you want to see in the world. This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server. Or follow at Secret Friends U on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.